0: Welcome to ReachMD. This activity entitled, Conversations and Clinical Trial Disparities, is provided by Prova Education.
1: So my mother was on a line at the post office a few months ago, and she ran into a friend of hers, and the purpose of her, you know, being on that line is to pick up some medication And on that line, she was speaking to a buddy of hers about how the doctor that she sees is trying to get her onto some cholesterol medication and how she continues to push back. What came out of that discussion with her buddy on the line was, well, I take medication for my cholesterol and my doctor really made a compelling argument to do so. And my mother retorted by saying, well, every time that I try a medication, it doesn't work and uh, I don't feel good. And her buddy looked at her quizzically and said, you know, when I take my medication, I find that I take it in the morning and I take it with food and you want to try it. And there was a conversation on the line about really, you know, the importance of good health and eating well and all those types of things. That discussion really changed my mother's posture. It was the friend of hers, as well as the discussion in the community on this post office line that encouraged my mother to go home and take that pill and try it. And she tried it with food and she tried it earlier at a different time. And she's been on that medication ever since. So what was a critical learning for me is that physicians and other healthcare providers sometimes need help from other voices that are thought of as being trusted voices to really encourage people to really change their behavior, as well as maybe give things that they might have been resistant to, particularly medication, a new chance, a new chance, a new opportunity. So trusted messengers are good partners toward patient health.
0: This is Reach MD, and I'm Dr. Charles Vega. And my name is Lionel,
1: Lionel Phillips. I am the president and founder of a consulting firm called Inside Edge Consulting Group. It's a pleasure to be part of the program today.
0: Well, it's certainly a pleasure to have you, Lionel, and welcome everyone to this discussion. That's a very compelling story about your mother, and it's certainly not the first time I've heard a patient who did not accept my advice personally, but who talked to a family member, who talked to somebody in her church, somebody else in the community who convinced that person to try what I'd been been endeavoring to get on board for up to a year without much success. So it really exemplifies the importance of the messenger. And if you could delve a little bit more, Lionel, into, into that role, and why is it important to healthcare in general, but also to clinical trials specifically?
1: I think that's a very, very critical point. Because if we continue to do what we've done in the past, we're not going to create any change. And using trusted messengers, although may not be a novel concept, It's something that we don't really think of as being part of our everyday practice in medicine. So it is important to identify who that patient is speaking to outside of the physician's office. And sometimes, you know, that should be considered as part of the health strategy. So who are those trusted messengers that are often in Black and Latino communities? Well, as I already mentioned, sometimes friends and family members, caregivers are trusted messengers. But even beyond that, pastors or folks that are associated with mosques are trusted messengers. Health ministries are trusted messengers. Sometimes folks gather in community centers and those community center leaders are trusted messengers. There's a lot of published data out there as well about barbershops and nail salons where conversations happen in the community and people pick up different topics and it's a compelling way for people to believe that it's a believable conversation based on folks that look like them and sound like them. So trusted messengers can take different dimensions and different shapes and exist in different types of areas in a community. But again, going beyond the practice and looking at who those trusted messengers are, I think is a critical part of medicine today, because that's where you can have better compliance, as well as better uptake in some of the messages that you're trying to deliver to your patients.
0: That's so true. I completely agree with you. And I think the power of the messenger became really clear to me many years ago during our very first inaugural group medical visit for diabetes in our clinic. So we had a group of about 15 patients with type 2 diabetes, and I was one of the facilitators along with our nurse educator. And we started with just general concerns, what's on your mind, as we've been trained to do. And a gentleman raised his hand and said, "Well, my doctor wants me to take insulin because my diabetes is is out of control. But I don't want to take insulin. It's going to make me go blind, which is a common fallacy in our community." Immediately, a woman across from him said, "No, it's." It's, it's not the insulin that's making you go blind. It's your diabetes. You should take the insulin. It'll actually help. And within about 30 seconds, we saw the power of that messenger and the, and the power of having peers and peer educators. And he went on insulin and did fantastic. And it was just a drop the mic moment. Like, I couldn't believe that this is exactly why we had group medical visits. And within 30 seconds, they had proven their value. And that's clinical care. And, you know, when it comes to taking a new medication or maybe getting a test done. You know, that's one thing when we're talking about our personal health. But clinical trials are a whole nother beast. And maybe we should understand a little bit more about why diversity in clinical trials is more important. I think that the public is largely unaware of this and and particularly communities of color. And even clinicians may be somewhat naive to this issue. Lionel, can you describe that for us a little bit?
1: Certainly. So I know that in speaking to physicians, and we do a lot of advisory boards with doctors, when new data is presented and in that clinical trials, at least the clinical trials that support the approval of that particular new medication, you have underrepresentation of Black and Latinos. And it's a challenge because for many physicians, that is a significant part of their practices. And if you do not see that represented in the data, it's less compelling for you as a physician, we know this, as well as for patients because those patients are not part of that that work. So it's very critical that the level of prevalence of disease is matched in that clinical trial. And that clinical trial is hence what is the data that allows for the drug to be registered and approved. It's a lot more compelling to when you're sitting across the table from a patient to say that, yes, you were represented in this clinical trial, someone of your age, someone of your ethnicity, someone of your race, and someone that is mirrors your circumstances within your community, your social economic situation. So clinical trials that are representative is critical. And I know that there are a number of pharmaceutical companies and other healthcare providers that are really driving toward making sure that they're doing a better job. So yeah, I would say as physicians, that's an expectation that you shouldn't have of your drug makers, that they do have representation so that as you're introducing new products into your practice, that you can say that that patient was reflected in that clinical trial. From discovery through phase two, phase three, and in some cases phase four, representation is helpful. And to enable that, it's important that patients hear and begin to develop the element of trust around clinical trials. And that's the link that I would say with community-trusted messengers. So CROs, as well as sites that exist in the community, really need to engage uh, those trusted messengers so that patients would want to be in those clinical trials. Those trials are then representative and then when you begin prescribing those drugs, you can actually speak to the fact that the community was part of the work that brought this product to market.
0: Right. So, you know, what I'm hearing and, and certainly I, I understand is that we're not only talking about a problem of mismatched data where the data from clinical trials doesn't match, you know, the the patients I'm seeing in front of me every day in, in Santa Ana, California you know, my patient panel is, prefers to speak Spanish, 80% of them. But it also can foster even more mistrust of the health system, which is a huge problem right now, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear, you know, other ways that we can specifically try to encourage more participation, particularly in Black, Latinx communities, American Indian, Alaska Native communities in clinical trials to reduce these disparities. How can we How can we make progress in this area?
1: I think that it's important to understand what does success look like? So understanding what the prevalence of disease is and make sure that we set up our trials so that the access is reasonable and that we're able to meet those goals, and those goals particularly here in the U.S. Now, when I refer to trusted messengers, there are a lot of different types of trusted messengers. One that I didn't mention so far is independent or retail pharmacies. Many Patients, after they hear from you as physicians, they fulfill those prescriptions or they go to a learned intermediary, being the retail pharmacist. Well, imagine a pharmacist beginning to push information out into the community around just general awareness around clinical trials. Or if there's a particular clinical trial that's being activated in the community, there's then information on uh, what that clinical trial is, why it's important that one be engaged in that clinical trial, be pushed out in in the community. You can do that through email. You can do that through things that are stapled onto bags, brochures, lots of different things that a retail pharmacist, that independent pharmacists in particular, can be doing at a community level. So lots of different strategies that can be employed to really begin to melt the challenges around trust. We know Tuskegee certainly is representative, if not in a very literal way, in a figurative way in people's minds as the reasons why not to get into clinical trials, but they can be melted away by trusted messengers. And I would suggest that retail pharmacists can be very helpful to that end as well. So as we think of the community physician, we know that the community physician has practices in rural areas and urban areas, and that truly at the end of the day is the patient population that should be reflective in clinical trials. So for those of you that are community doctors, you know, having, you know, black and latinos in clinical trials is critical, but all patients should be fully represented in clinical trials from whatever community that one is from because at the end of the day you do want to make sure that as there's new drugs that come out that the conversation is inclusiveness that Folks from rural communities and urban communities, blacks, whites, Latinos, are all represented. Women as well are represented uh, in the portfolio of that registered trial, as well as at the end of the day, the package insert that really defines how the trial was done and why is the drug on the market. So that is certainly something that is important. So community physicians is a critical part of this journey and a part of this work.
0: Those are outstanding points, and I concur, and I would also add that, you know, particularly community health centers, which is really the only place I've worked, are great grounds for clinical trials because you're automatically, they are ingrained in the community. That's that's part of what they do. And generally, they're going to serve a more poor and more diverse patient population. So it is the group that we don't see enough of in clinical trials. So CHCs are very busy. I know that extremely well. But to try to at least have the ability to refer patients on to clinical trials is a really important step for that clinic, that community, and those patients as well. And I love the idea of partnerships and trusted messengers. This is certainly not something that, you know, only one group, whether it's pharma or pharmacies or faith-based organizations, can solve on their own. It, It takes a coordinated effort. And you haven't really talked about the role that clinicians, just, you know, the average folks who are seeing patients every day, what role can we play? Maybe this is a good thing to close on is, you know, what are our action items when it comes to increasing diversity in clinical trials?
1: So I think it's so important for clinicians to look at becoming trialists, particularly those that are in underrepresented communities. That's one thing that would be tremendously of use. And then also, you know, as these trials become available in a community, please work to enable uh, a referral to a clinical trial site or have some working relationship with those sites to really allow your patients to be involved in clinical trials. So rethink the way that we're currently behaving or operating when it comes down to clinical trials so that our patients can be better represented in the final data that is used to register for registration of medications so that at the end of the day, we have trials that are done that are reflective of the population and medications that are you know, again, based on science, that's reflective of the, pop- our, the populations in which we serve.
0: That, yeah, that's outstanding. And it's, it's a really strong close to our program. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening in. And of course, I want to thank you, Lionel, for joining me and for sharing all of your valuable insights and expertise. It was a truly a pleasure speaking with you today.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was my pleasure and glad to be able to contribute to this important information.
0: You've been listening to ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To access this episode, as well as others from this series, or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com Prova. Thank you for listening.